This is Elizabeth. And this is Lee. And we are back with another podcast because we can't stop. Um, It's fun. We're going to do the aggressive stance today. And we have three special guests with us. We have my daughter, Alabelle, who's a three. And her friend, Ruby, who is a seven. And Melody, who is an eight. Yeah, it'll be good to hear y'all's perspective from... We, we are never quite sure if we're doing the aggressive stance justice as withdrawers, so yeah, it's good to have, true. and already the energy in here. I mean, the seven just had to walk in a few little bit ago and whew, changed it. It was fun. <laughs> All right, so just a quick uh, reminder um, about the aggressive stance, or stances in general, that stances are determined by what is repressed or underdeveloped in you. And so today we're talking about the aggressive stance, and this group um, on the Enneagram has underdeveloped or repressed feelings. And you have the three in the heart triad, and they're in that tricky three, six, nine train of being uh, dominant and repressed in the same center. So Alabelle is Uh, feeling dominant and feeling repressed. So we'll try to unpack that best we can. And then in the head triad, we have sevens. And in the gut triad, eights over here. So just um, a reminder that, you know, I think we say this every podcast in as many ways as we can, that when we talk about doing the work or utilizing the Enneagram as a tool to kind of develop... Um, your true self or to live life um, more fully that always the first step for that always 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 is observing yourself and unless you um, are working on self-observation and non-judgmentally kind of catching yourself falling down or doing the same thing that doesn't get you that wholeness or um, closer to living out of your true self you know ultimately knowing your Enneagram number if you don't utilize it in that way Um, doesn't do a whole heck of a lot, right? But stance work. So once you kind of know your number and once you start observing yourself, we have found that stance work, when we say about doing the work, this is a place that the Enneagram is just so helpful in helping you kind of get there faster. It's Mm -hmm. just such a tool to, like, once you understand how you're repressing that center and if you can catch yourself and bring up that repressed center, um, it just kind of gets you to that whole whole place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just as far as the aggressive stance goes, these are um, general kind of uh, kind of um, descriptors of all three numbers. Some. Some of the descriptions fit, fit uh, some numbers better than, than others, but all are feeling repressed, uh, future-oriented. So we just did a podcast on the withdrawing stance, and we talked about how we were oriented towards the past because mm-hmm. basically you don't have to do anything in the past. And you don't, and right? you're not disappointed in the future. No, we're not disappointed. <laughs> yep, yep. So very different energy, future-oriented, looking ahead. Um, aggressive stance, aggression, our teacher Suzanne, and I, I really like this, and the more I've thought about it and the more we've talked about aggressive stance is aggression is an unconscious drive to reshape reality, people, um, to what they want them to be. So this stance re reshapes reality to mm-hmm. make it fit what they want it to be. 
Um, and you have here, without the entanglement of emotions, and life is about control. So um, it's this shaping and reshaping and setting aside, setting aside, or not utilizing um, feelings or emotions. And I think you have to, I think it's hard sometimes for people to see that reshaping is a form of control. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the first step is to realize that reshaping the world to how you want it to be is a form of being controlling. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. just. I mean, it's not all bad, but no. it, you just have to see it for what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so another way to talk about that is that they think they can shape the world according to the way they see it. So, um, whatever their own idea of it is, whatever they want it to be, and they're really good at it. All mm-hmm. three of you are so good at making, um, making the world what you want it to be or what you've decided it should be. And for some of us, the rest of us is that can come across as pushy, you know, mm-hmm. that we, that's, we don't see it that way and we can't always get on board really quickly. So because they're, they have this forward mo- movement, because they're orienting reality towards their own idea of reality, that to me is, is where I start to feel kind of the aggressive energy or how we can kind of feel it, um, those of us who are not in the aggressive stance. Um, mostly, they feel free to do whatever they need or want to do. Um, they have um, an ability to dismiss personal dynamics, oftentimes, feelings, Mm -hmm. and other people's agendas, right? So that's, again, the move forward, not, um, I always, when I, I'm not really good at, for for a podcast, but I always do um, hand motions when I'm talking about aggressive stance, like they have blinders on, Mm -hmm. um, just to help them move forward and only see what's ahead of them. Um, so it's really easy for them to just kind of not have the peripheral vision that's outside of their idea of what they're after, right? So it's just kind of charge forward, and they might not even acknowledge other agendas or see it, see it, because yeah. they really are blinded to what is just directly ahead of them. Another description often used for aggressive stance is personable, but not personal. So oftentimes we don't know a lot about um, who they really are. And, Hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I think that's probably true about a lot of Enneagram numbers that we're all, you know, part of our way of being in the world is hiding our true self, right? That there's this this part of us, um, yeah, that I feel really slippery, right? Because I don't want to share because of conflict or because I don't want to be disconnected from you. So we all kind of have that, but... Nine ways of kind of running away from ourselves. Right, right. So Mm -hmm. there's always a part of all of us, but sometimes I think for aggressive numbers, we feel like we know them when they... Mm. They make they seem like they've shared a lot they about feel themselves. More known than they are, but really, yeah. it's more this kind of personable. They're good mm-hmm. at interacting, but not the the kind of depth or the personal piece. So, just to put out there, we've talked about this. We talked about it at number night, and we talked about it um, just before when Elizabeth and I were talking about this. That you know, part of as two withdrawing stance people. Bringing up doing is so satisfying, right? Like it's scary, but it's energizing and being doing repressed. And it's, it's very tangible. Mm-hmm. Talking about repressed center for people, for you all who are doing 
and doing all the tangible stuff and telling you to stop and get mucked in feelings, right? To get to allow that to happen. It's a, it's harder to talk about. It's harder to like tell y'all what to do, right? Or to to define it, right? Yeah. So, um, what we're going to try to go about that in all different ways, and then help hopefully you guys describing kind of what that is and what motivates you really to stop and allow feelings. Um, I think is what will be really helpful. So. Take it away. Type okay. Three. All right. We're going to start with threes, um, which, as Lee said, are feeling dominant and feeling repressed, like twos and fours. But um, and we were just talking about this bit head because I didn't. Alabel and Lee didn't like the way I wrote it out. That they take in the world with feelings, and they take in everyone's feelings around them. So they're very empathic. They're very intuitive. They read the room. They're very good at reading the room. Um, but what they tend to, what they do after they've read the room and after they got they know how everyone's feeling is they kind of tuck that away. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very involved with kind of managing the feelings they come across, and they want to do that pretty quickly. Um, so the reason threes tuck feelings away really quickly and particularly their own feelings away, is because vulnerability impedes their ability to move efficiently, successfully, and productively through the world, and which is really important to a three. That's what they value, and that's what they're looking for. And, um, and it impedes, like, in their mind, looking good doing that. So they want to mm-hmm. be efficient. They want to be successful. They want to be appropriate. And um, they want to. They want that. To, they want that to be perceived by all of us that way. Yeah. Um, so threes are. Uh, f- so like feelings don't feel successful to a three. Feelings feel messy. So therefore, for a three, feelings are not important, and they're going to mess up their desire to uh, to to do what they value, which is right. to be efficient and feel successful. Their own feelings are not. They they set aside their own feelings. They set aside their own feelings. I think they. I. Th- I mean, you you push back on this with if you want. I mean, I think you. I think threes read the room and they know what we're all feeling, but they want to move even through that quickly too. Mm-hmm. I think they mm-hmm. set aside their their own feelings and have a harder time walking back to their own feelings. That, mm-hmm. As Suzanne says, that's the longest road mm-hmm. for any number is a threes road back to themselves. But um, I think they also, I think they read us, but then they they try to, I mean, manage it, fix mm-hmm. it, fix our feelings, mm-hmm. manage our feelings. But managing and fixing other people's feelings is not the same thing as sitting with someone's feelings right so it's it's a very forward motion activity right and I feel like what you hear happening right now is the dominant repressed piece right trying to explain Mm -hmm. that trying to explain how it's dominant Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah and on the sitting with feelings part I mean I think that part of the image I'm crafting is someone who's really good at or like a really good friend and really good at giving advice and like being able to read people and sit with their feelings. But um, I've caught myself sometimes 
responding to someone when they're being vulnerable with me before I've actually heard what they have said. Mm -hmm. And then I'll hear myself say something that is kind of like a platitude or something to kind of get them to be better. And then I'll be like, oh my God, I don't even know why I said that. Or like, what the fuck just happened? Because I don't even know what they just said almost. Right. Right. And so I think that, that, I mean, I think I do need to work on just being able to listen yeah that's a yeah, great example because we were we were kind of processing that earlier and Alabelle was telling me as a four that I don't um I don't always read a room well and of course I have a lot of pride around that like I I think that I read a room really well <laughs> but I, here's what I think is like in our numbers we get tripped up mm-hmm. even with our own superpower right so yes. I mean if I'm in a good space I can really read a room yeah. if Alabelle's in a good space she can really read a room um, if I'm too self-involved with my own feelings, I can't read the room. If Alabelle's too concerned with trying to move forward, mm-hmm. fix the feeling, or stay unmired in vulnerability and stickiness, yeah. she's not going to maybe be as intuitive as she's naturally. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's great. That's okay. great. I have a friend who's a three who texted me that she feels that being a three is being good at cauterizing wounds. And I, I thought that was such a great um, description because to cauterize a wound is like you, you get a wound and then you immediately burn it closed and, and it's done. <laughs> and so she feels that going through the world that that's what she's doing. Like she, she's observant of the wound. She's aware of the wounds in her life and other people's lives, but she's kind of like trying to seal them up and yeah. fix them really quickly. I think threes cauterize wounds super fast and then forget what the wound was. Yes. And so there will be times mm-hmm. where I will have like this like extreme anxiety or a breakdown or something and I'll I have no idea why and then I'll try to figure it out and I'll make a list and write down like literally write down the re- possible reasons why I could be freaking out and then I'll go down the list and like cross my, like be like this is why I don't need to be freaking out about or like why I shouldn't mm-hmm. feel this way about these mm-hmm. things and I need to calm down um and also I this might so just I don't know if it really I don't know if it really works I don't I mean, I think, I think I'm, it's another way that I'm trying to like manage manage it. Um, And then I think for me, this, I don't know if this is true for other people, but I feel like it manifests like physically sometimes, like Mm -hmm. literally physically, where I'll get so anxious that like, I like am in pain, like bodily pain. And I don't know why. Or we have a theory that I I have these like mystery rashes and like mystery freaky things that happen to my body that no one can figure out. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's like repressed emotional shit. I do. Melody, if you tell us you have mystery rashes, we're going to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely pack stress in Mm -hmm. places or like even as a really small kid I had migraines like I think that I put stuff away and it 
manifest in my body, but mm-hmm. not rashes necessarily. <laughs> so um, threes and sevens both reframe reality. And I guess what we started out saying is all of you guys do. So three, seven, and eights all mm-hmm. reframe reality. And, you know, I'd love you to talk about that, Melody, some, because I don't experience eights reframing too much. I don't, I, I feel that eights are moving through the world very, um, in a very focused way, but mm-hmm. it usually feels pretty, uh, like it's jiving with reality. I mean, I've, I've been told that the way that I reframe is pretty accurate to reality, (laughs) which I think is kind of what you were just saying, which is, and I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I've been told factually I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the lack of all the other stuff that makes it reframe. That other stuff matters, and it's part of the equation. And so by discluding it, I'm... Yeah, but I I really feel that it's different from three and seven reframing. Like, I think threes and sevens really um, kind of make up their own reality. And I don't really think eights do it. I think that maybe just because you don't have feelings on board, you're doing it in a way that feels pushy or aggressive Mm -hmm. or maybe... um, lack some nuance or some piece of it but I don't think it's like an alternate reality I don't I don't either but I also like I wouldn't trust that I don't either you know (laughs) like other people's reality tend to be different than mine Hmm. so I think part of reality is the stuff that slows you down right so part of an eight's reality has to be that people have different thoughts about the right way to go. People have feelings about the right way to go. That's good. And your reshaping of reality or making reality or what you want it to be is, are those blinders that say mm-hmm. this part doesn't really matter in my doesn't reality. doesn't have a place here. Right. So it's a different, it's a different reshaping. Yeah. But it's, so maybe it's almost an ignoring of or yeah. deciding this is the only part of reality that counts. Right? So the messy pieces that you've put blinders onto is kind of, you know, maybe reshape is not the best word, but. I mean, I think this shows up in my work a lot, which I don't think is surprising, but I've been known for like championing like this. We have to choose what's best for the farm or best for the business and whatever we personally think doesn't matter. And I think that that is that messaging of like, even if it doesn't feel good to you, you have to do it and you have to first say, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. Onward. Onward. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so reframing, so, so all you guys reframe in different ways and the seven reframing is all about pain avoidance, right? And the three reframing is about how they're coming across or how they appear to people or how they maintain the story of who they are, who they want us to think they are or who they think they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's a very different motivation for, for their reframing. Yeah. Um, uh, they, so threes kind of are telling themselves a story about who they are mm-hmm. and they kind of, they believe this story and they're, they think we all believe it too. And sometimes mm-hmm. we do, but a lot of times we see it uh, as a story yeah. and it's pretty visible as a story. 
Um, so I think it's important for threes to observe yourself, um, kind of telling yourself a story about who you are and, um, ask yourself if it's true. And it's the kind of thing, um, and the other thing that Suzanne often talks about is that threes tend to kind of part of the reframing is that maybe something went not so well and they reframe it to make it sound like it went really well because they want, again, not because they're avoiding pain like a seven, but because they want things to, they want to look good. They want Mm -hmm. success. They want success. And success is, I think is a, a, it's a word that I struggle with for threes because mm-hmm. I think so many threes don't come to their number because the success word bothers them, right? It's, because of how the connection it has in our society of money, what career, boardroom, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think mm-hmm. successful is whatever a three desi- defines sure. it as, which can be so many things. What so. Alabel just talked about, right? Being the you want to be a good friend, yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, ways in which you're not a good friend or things didn't work out in a friendship or a conversation went awry with a friend, you're going to probably pretty quickly put a, make it seem is not as big a deal as it was maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so the question is, is the story I'm telling myself about myself true? And then you kind of have to ask yourself that question like eight more times, you know, <laughs> because you're, you're kind of hardwired to say, yeah, yeah, it's true or, mm-hmm. and, and move on with it. And so the part of the allowing is that, that willingness to a catch yourself telling your, a story about yourself, right. And observe that you're doing that and then be willing to do something different which means you have to be aware that the story might not or be working and you have to be motivated to want to change that. And I think that's the hard part, right? Gosh. Is, you know, if the story's working for you, you know. And I also think part of the story or getting stuck in a story is you think that you can't be successful at, at some other mm. path, some other story. Um, and so then you, so then I like, well, like rationalize why this is what I need to be doing because this is what I'm good at because I don't want to do something. I won't do anything that I think I could fail at. Um, and then that actually closes a lot of doors. Yeah. Cause you don't even consider the other things that you probably would rock. Right. Or, or like, I think probably threes perceive changing your story as a failure, right? And Mm -hmm. it's not, you know? Um, so, so threes are unaware of the extent to which they've lost themselves, um, partly because they're so good at being adaptable to everybody and everything in every situation, but, um, also because they believe their story. So they believe their story. So it's really hard to convince a three that they have lost themselves. Um, Really difficult. So that's sort of step one is to kind of notice uh, that you have, that you, that there's something that you need to find, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, they're, they're so involved in, in their appropriateness, in their image crafting, 
that it's it's just hard to convince them that they they need to go looking for something, yeah. go looking for themselves. Because usually their adaptability, which is one of their greatest qualities, uh, really works for them, right? Okay. Um, and you're usually threes are the last ones to realize when their adaptability is not working for them. Yeah. So, Alabel, I don't know if you can answer this or if you have a answer in you, but even just do like as a twenty year old doing this work and paying attention to yourself, do you remember or? know why or what caused you to want to kind of dig and do this work is what we would say like what what kind of instigated that inside of yourself to look deeper um I mean I think part of it is um that like in moments of a, like great change in my life which I've had a lot of recently just like yeah. moving away going on my gap year trying to make new friends trying to find job yeah. going to college I've been like extremely uncomfortable with all of those transitions mm-hmm. and so I think um I don't want to be and I want to be able to like find a consistency like a consistency within myself moving from place to place um and for it not to feel like I have to be a different person when I'm home <laughs> Sorry. yeah um like <laughs> sorry um to transition between being a different person when I'm home when I'm at school or wherever I am. Um, and so just to reconcile all those different facets of myself, which it feels impossible, but I think I really just need to do that. It's worth it. Yeah, that's so... That's, thank yeah. you, thank and see, you. That's thank such you. a tender um, mm-hmm. uh, look at adaptability, you know? like Because I think... No, seriously, it because is. I think it's so easy to have this unnuanced portrait of a three that is able to be anybody for anybody, right? And success oriented and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think we see the, the I mean, you are feeling dominant. And so all that tenderness mm-hmm. and all that purity around your heart that you have on board all the time. And, and I think that's good, Lee, ex- the exhaustion. And like, I have a friend who's a three who said she can't, can't do group travel because she said she's always matching the energy of the room all the time, mm. that she's always matching the energy. And if she's around, if she's like group traveling with a bunch of people with lots of different kinds of energy, she just can't do it because she just doesn't have she can't it's be that vacation. adaptable to that many different people all the time yeah, and not be off, you know, not have a break. Yeah. Well, I think, Thank thanks you. for sharing that because I think it's insightful. Like if a three is listening to this and thinks, well, because all of you, I think are really good at kind of making reality what you want it to be. And so I think the more we can kind of unpack, what is it that makes you, makes you want to do something different or a, do the messy work of getting in your feelings. I just think the more that we can hear that, if you 
know it or mm-hmm. are aware of it that that it's just really helpful for mm-hmm. other aggressive numbers. And I think I think uh, like you said, you you want the adaptability feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that it feels uncomfortable is sort of the first piece yeah. because I think that you almost have to get to a place where the fact that it makes you uncomfortable is not bad. Right. Like for other numbers, that discomfort doesn't feel BAD. It doesn't feel Mm. bad. It just feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think part, like the stepping into feelings is Mm -hmm. noticing when something feels mildly uncomfortable. Yeah. And notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, um, so then I, I kind of can't help but do this process things like this as a four as I kind of like to parse all the little differences between these numbers. So three sevens and eights are all avoiding feelings, right? And one thing I've been thinking about lately is that like sevens have no access to feeling the feeling center on the Enneagram. And when I say that, what I mean is, is that every other number on the Enneagram, either in security or stress or integration or disintegration, however you want to say that, Thanks. has access to a, to a number that has a, a feeling dominance, mm-hmm. right? But sevens do not, uh, their wings, their disintegration and integration and their, their own number has no feeling dominance anywhere on on the, on their flow, right? So, and they're the only number like that. So, mm-hmm. I think what I think is interesting to watch is that sevens have no access to to feeling center, yet they spend a whole they spend all of their time creating a mental structure to keep feelings out, and you can watch them spin, spinning it. You can watch because they're in the head triad, right? So they are. You can watch their head go to work, and I like to call it scaffolding, creating mental scaffolding to keep feelings at bay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, threes are just um, you know they're in their heart centered, so they have the feelings, they perceive the feelings. But then they just move really quickly through them. They just are moving really fast through them. And eights are just kind of not noticing, really. They're just, and you're not really bothered, you know. So there's not a We're lot of. We're too busy doing. <laughs> We're too busy doing. Right. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that in the aggressive stance, where I feel the most energy around feelings is the seven Mm -hmm. who has no access to them. And so I just, I don't have anything to say about that. I just am saying it. I just think it's interesting. Um, um, so I, I say threes are trying to outrun their feelings. They're moving faster than that or they're performing them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I think that, uh, threes are I think threes and sevens are both avoidant in general just in life not just feeling avoidant but just avoidant um but I think that like sevens are maybe most avoidant and it's pretty clear and I was kind of thinking and the way I wrote it down is that threes are less avoidant than sevens but the reality or maybe I'm sort of asking a question here Mm -hmm. is that threes because they're so performative and adaptive I think they just we just don't notice their avoidance as much because they're so good mm-hmm. at performing uh, so that we think they're with us right that, 
rings true to me. Um, I think we were actually talking about this, me and Ruby, recently, sort of, um, about our our performativity and how it's similar and how it's different. And I think for me, it's sort of constant. Um, so I'm performing even when I'm alone, my feelings. Um, but you were saying how it's more, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were saying how whenever you go into a social situation or step out of your like aloneness, you have to kind of put on something. And so it it's like a uh, something you put on and take off where I feel like I I don't know I don't really know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um no, that is definitely true and I do think the sevens both don't fluctuate as meticulously as the threes do, but I also think to your point Elizabeth I I wouldn't say sevens fool anyone either, you know? I mean, I would say our positivity is even inappropriate sometimes, but I think I play, I kind of follow the same trick I play on myself, is the ease and the fun is so tempting and indulgent for myself. I know so much what that reframing and laughter and avoidance of pain does for me that I consider it a gift for other people and I do think other numbers can tap into that and you know I don't think I'm or sevens or coercive mm-hmm. when they try to bring I mean I'm horrible at comforting people because my immediate reaction I am devoted to making them laugh because if I get them to laugh then it is all dissolved you know everything is better mm-hmm. and that isn't medicine to all people but I do think people choose to engage with our own reframing and whatever we do with pain and that it's more receptive than a threes version of it i think because we are more consistent yeah different i don't know that's kind of what we were talking about yeah Hmm. that's interesting yeah i was calling it um y'all superpower suit like i feel like y'all have a superpower suit that you put on and uh, both threes and sevens and i think that threes kind of never take it off you know they have it on all the time they have it on for themselves and I think that's that's the distinction I was kind of trying to make is that they have it on all the time so they don't know they have it on and sevens know they have it on yeah and they can sort of feel that they have to get up for something you can feel yourself priming yourself for the situation right as a seven um um okay so taking responsibility um well before i say that i want to say that threes care another distinction between threes and sevens is threes care what people think um sevens generally don't i mean i think you're avoiding pain so you care when it comes down to that but generally like if something you're not going to change your behavior to be appropriate because you care what people think. Whereas threes, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think they care more than maybe any number what people think. And mm-hmm. they also care that we don't think that they care. Okay. You know, yeah. like they care so much what other people think, but they don't really want to admit that to themselves. No. And they really don't want us to, to think that they loud. care yeah. how much they are coming across. Yeah. Um, um, and so taking responsibility, um, 
I was talking about, well, I will talk about sevens taking responsibility later, but threes have um, feelings for things that are easy for them and then kind of tell themselves that they are having all these feelings. So um, uh, the, the, the I think it's important to think about the feelings that cost you. Like the feelings that cost you and that make you more very uncomfortable are the ones that matter. And so I think it's just, that's another way of observing, like uh, try to observe yourself when you're having easy feelings and kind of patting yourself on the back or, or tricking yourself for being a successful feeler. Yeah. That you think you're, you've got it all going on with Mm -hmm. feelings. Um, you've got to go, you've got to go deeper into the feelings that hurt. And then that's when you know you're doing your work. And so that's just a, an observation thing that you have to kind of think about. Um, and so y'all talked about, y'all talked about how you both perform in your superpower suit. Um, but here's what I want to say to both threes and sevens is that you perform, you perform, you perform, and it works well, and you like it. You talked well about that, Ruby. Um, but then there comes a point when it doesn't work, and when your performance doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think then what happens is you stop performing, right? Because, it, damn it, it didn't work. And so I'm going to just stop performing and see how that goes. And then what happens then is your, the response you get from your friends and your loved ones is generally pretty negative or it's not what you are looking for. So then what happens with both threes and sevens are they're like, oh, well, it's kind of y'all, you know, y'all's fault that I don't get to transform myself. I can't do this transformative work because y'all need me to be this way. Mm-hmm. All you people need me to be this performer for you. And so I'm going to be it and it's your fault. And so what I, I want to really say is, is that, that's just another moment of observation. That's yeah. another pause that you got to put. So like kind of see if you can notice yourself getting tired with yourself and tired with your tricks and tired with your performance. And then you you stop their performance and then you get frustrated with the response. Then you just have to kind of hold. You have to stop and hold the course because the reality is, Yes, we maybe had a response that was not okay with you, but we just have to catch up. And y'all are faster than the rest of us, but but all of you, all three sevens and eights, y'all are faster than the rest of us. You're thinking quicker than the rest of us. And once we catch up to what you're on about, which is shifting and transforming and doing your work, Mm -hmm. then we we actually will meet, meet up with you and have a better response. So all that to say is like, don't trick yourself into thinking that it's other people's responsibility that you can't change. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a way of letting yourself off the hook, you know? Yeah. I just have to say, listening to you say that literally made me nauseous. Like, I can't. It is. And I haven't even ever, I haven't gotten to that breaking point. Like you said, um, I've never stopped performing in front of people except probably my family but I live in constant fear I mean I've made such moves in my life if I don't feel equipped or ready I will completely isolate myself I will not I'm so terrified of breaking that 
I don't want to say illusion because Mm -hmm. I do love that girl. You know, she's real. She's around. And I think everyone else likes her, but I don't. I mean, I know that is the bulk of a seven's growth and a big part in the threes, Mm -hmm. but I cannot express enough how much I don't want to do it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I just don't want to. I don't think you want me to. No, I actually want you to say it because, I mean, honestly, I think the reason this, like, this work, this podcast, like, what we're talking about today is so important is because I think it's hard to convince the aggressive stance that the work is worth it. I really think it's so hard to convince y'all that it's worth it. Yeah. So. And uh, the, the truth is, gosh, for all of us, whatever we're observing about ourselves, most of the time we're going to be like, mm. you know, I often choose to just live into my number, right? I, I have to build those muscles or I'll see myself in this one area of my life and I think, yeah, that's working for me. <laughs> I'm not ready to give that up, right? So part I think part of it is that you, I mean, the fact that you can articulate it, Ruby, and that you're watching yourself do it, you're still defensive, you're not quite sure, you know, but here's here's a whole group of people that are like, we're going to love you when you're not laughing, on. right? Yeah. When you're not on. And so you'll, you'll, you'll find those places. But even just realizing you're... You're doing it. Even just that self-observation mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. It's so big. Yeah. And, and we, we see your superpower mm-hmm. suit. Like, we know you have yeah. it on. Yeah. And we know you're under there. Yes. And that's what we want is yeah. what's under the superpower suit. Yeah. And so I think it's all about y'all realizing that what that's actually really is mm-hmm. what everyone wants from mm-hmm. you. Um, and that you can balance... It doesn't mean that you're all your efficiency and getting things done, all the great things that you love about yourself has to go away. Right. It just means that it becomes balanced, yeah. right? Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think it's about, you know, you, that you can learn to kind of maintain both. You can maintain as a three your adaptability, right? But you can also, like you were saying earlier, kind of bring up this awareness that you're that you're performing and yeah or or what i heard you say alabella is that you notice that you're adapting and to even notice that you're adapting part of what you're doing right now is deciding is it worth it to adapt is it whatever it does to your heart and to your soul to have to adapt in multiple places that it doesn't have to be a knee-jerk reaction like you can choose Mm -hmm maybe not to and to be okay with that you know Mm -hmm. like that's that's a a kind of a dance that you try on yeah and maybe and i think it's there's probably a lot of stops and starts Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely and i think that i think you have to kind of believe that when you fail and fall and things are messy that actually people will honestly love you more yeah, and all of you. and tr- and that's true for all of you. All of people you, will you love you more. And we just lean on in. We just and can't tr- and trust you more. And you have to hear me when I say that. Mm-hmm. Like people will trust you more yeah. if you let us see your failures and your messiness. Yeah, um, that's just true. Yeah. It's just true. Yeah. Um, 
So I love like what you said earlier, like, you know, what is consistent about, you know, matter where you are and who mm-hmm. you're with and what's going on, what the circumstances are. And I think that's a question you just have to keep asking yourself. Yeah. Um, okay. Sevens are um, thinking dominant and uh, uh, avoiding pain at all costs. Right. And so uh, they're avoiding pain by avoiding feelings. And that can look like we were saying earlier, just awkwardness um, or discomfort and it can be just mm-hmm. very mild awkwardness and discomfort mm-hmm. and you get you feel a little bit of discomfort a little bit of awkwardness and you can just go into action trying to move past it or mm-hmm. fix it mm-hmm. um, so I think the you know the the trick is is to observe yourself going into action when you feel slightly uncomfortable. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about small bummer muscles for sevens. Um, So I've been talking a lot about uh, sevens flexing their small bummer muscles, and some of my friends who are sevens got confused by that. But I think it just what it really means is to notice when, just what I said, like Mm -hmm. when you feel awkward and uncomfortable and just pausing and sitting with it and like, as you said to my friend, just sit still, don't move, don't get up, you know, like don't go do the dishes. Right. Um, well, it's almost like you want, um, like anything that's uncomfortable, you're going to energize it, right? So I think just kind of, I think about kind of flitting around that to just sit, even if it's not obviously pain, you know, if it's just like you saying, I felt nauseous, you know, like... That you just sit there and think instead of flitting away, right? Yeah. I think, um, as you mentioned earlier, Lee, the gift of the Enneagram is, I mean, it's kind of two-tiered. It's self-awareness and then it's adaptation or growth or whatever you call it. And um, I... I have to admit, I mean, I'll be devil's advocate for a second, but when I first started learning about the Enneagram and my own number, it was unbelievable, that first phase of observation. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in awe of my ability. I It really felt like a superpower. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think, I don't even... I don't even think I knew what pain was until I realized my own capabilities of completely depriving myself of it. I mean, it... it I could completely invent things in in an incredible pace. And I didn't know I was doing it until I learned about it. And I was very impressed with myself. I'm not going to lie. And I don't want to let it go. I mean, it's it's awesome. But the more I've talked to people about it, I would say more than anything, it is a curiosity towards the alternative, which comes from my complete void of experience. Because, you know, I don't, I just I was too good at it and now I'm aware of it and I don't know if I'm at the point of wanting to dip my toes in yet but I'm still kind of in the like honeymoon phase of my superpower I yeah. would say but yeah that that's I think curiosity is a great way I think curiosity is a great a, word it's a positive word for a word. seven to tiptoe on into that mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful Ruby and that is, that is a yeah. great word for it. And I think sevens generally are on a honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, I think I have, I have friends who are, who are sevens who are, wouldn't characterize it that way. Yeah. But I think you can call it a honeymoon in a happy way or you can just call it a, 
um, I'm gonna say you're removed or on a just like, can just just uh, I don't know I don't know but <laughs> I don't this even is know only, what to say. We're like well, well, yeah. move on. Um, so um, so I think for sevens it's very 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 difficult for them to take responsibility for their part in things um really really difficult and uh like i was saying earlier about threes like feeling kind of light feelings and then feeling that they're feeling all these things sevens will take responsibility almost like preemptively if they feel like something's coming down the pipe, they'll take responsibility for some other random thing that they think will kind of get them off the hook with a friend that's mad at them or something. They'll take responsibility for something that doesn't hurt too much. Mm. And for something that isn't even the reason the friend is hurt or whatever, you know. And then they say to themselves, they kind of trick themselves into thinking, I'm a person who takes responsibility for my actions because you take responsibility for things that don't hurt you. Yeah. Um, and so... Ooh, that's messy. That's that's a doozy, that's but it's messy. true. And I want you to believe me, Sevens, and I know that you're going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's, it is true. And so you ha- that's an observation thing again, mm-hmm. where am I taking responsibility for my actions and am I doing it without a lot of fanfare or distraction? Or taking responsibility for some other random thing just to trick myself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Do you have anything you want to say about that, Rube? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't have a. I do have something to say, and that is, I don't have a lot of experience with conflict in general, just because I. I, I guess I disappear completely, but with feeling in general, I have to say, if I am upset about something, I do think I do a form of that distraction, which is I will I refuse to get sad about whatever is actually paining me, but I will listen to a sad song or watch a sad movie and allow myself to grieve distantly mm-hmm. and something like that, but very separated Not from whatever is actually... Yeah. 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 So, I... I guess that applies i don't know can i tell a story on you yes please yeah and we can cut it if you don't like it but so like i you know i've watched you grow up and so one thing i notice you do is when you get when you do something that you get in trouble for Mm -hmm. you um get really dramatically upset and you get so upset right that everyone around you starts being worried about how upset you are right mm-hmm. instead of just the fact that you got in trouble yeah. <laughs> so that's an example of like mm. a way of not taking responsibility like yeah. so and 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 like again it's hard i think it's hard for sevens to see this and you're brave to be sitting here with me doing this cuz i think uh I, I I think um, you know they. It's hard for y'all to do it, and then if you do it a little bit, you feel real special about doing it. And I think growth happens when you can just kind of very without a lot of just a lot of anything. Just take just just yeah. just step into it. Well, and just, I'm just thinking about. So we're talking about feelings, right? So when you. So in that scenario that you just described, if you, if I get real activated and I 
and real dramatic and upset, ultimately I'm not feeling that I might have hurt someone or that I feel hurt or whatever happened in the disappointment of it, you get to avoid it, right? That in that, it's a little bit of acting out of the sadness or the pain or the disconnect or discomfort, but if you're just in it, that the, those are the those are what Elizabeth calls the bummer muscles, right? Mm-hmm. Just that, gosh, you know, gosh, I'm that sorry. we hurt each other, or it's over. that yeah. <laughs> um, that yeah. I, or to feel sad that yeah. I made the wrong yeah. decision, yeah. or that I didn't go about it. In the, I mean, we all screw up all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but I think that's part of it that you're the extreme feels safer because the feelings aren't the kind of normal is kind of how we talked about with Jessica, the mundane or the average or just the, and kind of in the, those conversations is where the average is, right? Where the, Mm -hmm. like where you learn that, where you, gosh, I screwed up and we have, you have this conversation and, and it's okay. And it's okay. It's like actually okay. Like the bottom's not going to fall out and nobody's going to go away. No. And in fact, by taking responsibility quickly and undramatically, yeah. people are going to go away less. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's going to tell you that. Because they're not going to understand it. No one's going to tell you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. another way of it's not hard. taking responsibility is, like, what I call case building or building your case. Mm-hmm. Um sevens love to build their case because they're in the head triad right Mm -hmm. so they're in their head and when they feel the heat or they uh they they go right into that head and right into like logistics and the time frame and the chronology of the event and who said what when she said it when did she come in the door was it wednesday was it thursday was it tuesday was it six was it six thirty? was it no it was six fifteen. you know like literally that's what's happening and there's all of that's going on as a way to avoid just looking at whatever's in front of you yeah like whatever the person's saying yeah. and it's also a way of like like it looks like you're really engaging with the person about what went wrong or what's going, what's happening. Cause you're so engaged, right? You're so engaged in the story and you're activated in the story and all the aspects of that story and when they said it and who said it, but, but guess what's not happening? Guess what's not happening? Feelings are not happening. And the person's feelings that you're saying all this to in their head and in their heart, they're going, mm, you know, cause they know you're building a case and not taking responsibility. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so like, I think hard work for sevens is just to try to observe yourself doing that yeah. and try to just take a moment and try to stop, try to breathe, try to take a moment, try to, well, and I think I like a gift that you just gave us, Ruby, while it goes. When you said you you do when you feel you're sad, when you feel sad, and when you you can't be up, that you you isolate, so you pull away. Mm-hmm. And so even even just to have to bring one person in with you, right? So what would it be like to have a little bit of that with in relationship? I think because I think that's a piece oftentimes with sevens is they don't know how to do the sad piece 
Because, I mean, obviously we all feel despair and sadness and, God, what's happening in our world right now? There's just no way we can't, you know, just feel the weight of it. So to invite someone with you, even just for a little bit of that You mean just find someone that you feel comfortable kind of stepping into that with and see how it goes. Right. You don't have to do it at the party. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's... I hear the I logic of it. I'm sure, sure it would do wonders, but it's, I have to say it's, it's the unpredictability mm-hmm. of that because yeah. I know my routine so well and the tactic of the hyperbole and to switch the whole dynamic. If I'm in trouble, I can switch it around. I know yeah. I hate to call them my tricks, but I know what I've been yeah. doing for years and I know yeah. how it reacts with people yeah. and I know what to get out of it. And I think if I really was completely organic and unperformative i i honestly don't know what that would look like and my greatest fear is to share an unpleasant experience with someone and to have them associate that with me and last time i was home for break i was not wanting to see people and alabelle insisted on coming over because she was worried about me and i was terrified for her to see me like this because I had this idea in my head that it would taint who she thought I was and I guess it would be a blow to the illusion of this perfect happy person that I am so devoted to and I thought that it would be completely completely ruined if she saw me you know off script once and it was a very unpleasant experience for me (laughs) but nothing changed in our relationship And we got closer, and she really had to muscle in. I mean, I did not want her to see me like that. She completely fought me. And even if it was by force, I'd like to give myself a point and say I did hold that space with someone completely against my will. But And it it was not as um, disastrous as I thought it would be. So, Gosh. Yeah. That's so good. (laughs) So listening to Ruby is... Like, as an A, I feel like my trust is in myself and mm-hmm. not others. But is that the difference for sevens? Is there's the, the trust isn't with themselves? Is not with themselves? Right. Like, it sounds like it's less about the other person not being there, but more about them not being able to trust who they are in that space. Mm-hmm. The seven. Is that, yeah. I don't know. Does that ring true for you? Or the full range of who you are. Yeah. I have trust in what I'm capable of doing given a situation. I know I'm equipped to be a certain way and to have a certain reaction with people. Um, But if I'm off my game or unequipped, I have no trust in myself. And that's where I think the solitude of the seven versus the three comes in. And I'm completely naked. I have no superpower costume on at all and i Mm -hmm. that i think is the space where i don't have a lot of trust in myself Mm -hmm. just because i don't let it react with other people so i don't even know yeah i just want to say one thing about the that last break what you're talking about how that was also hard for me because i knew that i couldn't fix it and i couldn't (laughs) move i couldn't help you move through it and so i was trying to to kind of just be there and it was like I that was hard and I've been with friends who were grieving really terrible things before 
like on the phone or something trying to just like listen and it's like physically like I'll be there trying to help them and like like silently screaming like I'm like oh my god (laughs) but but like I yeah I mean I'm glad that I think that was an uncomfortable space for both of us, and it, but it was good. That's and, and see, what y'all think is hard about it is different. Like, it's not hard for Alabel to see you not with your not in your best form. In, in fact, like, in fact, that's an honor for her, right? And she wants to see all the parts of you, right? And that that's what friendship is. And so that's not hard for her. What's hard for her is her realizing that she has wants to fix it and to stop wanting to fix it. So she has to stop wanting to fix it and you have to stop believing that we only want that the the superpower suit seven. And right? so imagine I mean I just feel like this is such a this is where we get off. So like if you finally allow someone in, right, Ruby, when you're at your and it's a three who's not aware that they're gonna want to go in there and make it okay you could misread that really as quickly discomfort with you as we don't I don't want you to be this way right, right. Yeah. that really quickly that or a three could misread that that god I'm not a good friend I can't make her feel better I can't help her get through this just how how different we see the world and ever you know just in those spaces and just even a little bit like just a little bit of self-observation just a little bit of knowing God, this is hard on both of your parts. You don't have to have the space to think about it together, but just that little bit, what a difference Mm -hmm. that makes and that interaction that's so important, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's huge. Um, Would you say there is kind of a toxic overlap that can happen with two feeling repressed numbers? Because, I mean, say Albal did come over and give me that impression and I... Fine. I mean, if I feel like someone needs me to be that, my my big move is to turn yeah. it on. And all I would need was some social force to motivate that. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, and then we would have been back to exactly where yeah. we were. And I yeah. mean, is that kind of that happens something all to look the time? For? Yeah. Right. Like that happens all the time with all of us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why. That's why for us, why we, you know, why in all of my uncomfortable, like every time we come up here to do a podcast, I'm like, oh, do we have to do this? <laughs> it's because of that, right? Mm. That there's, it is so, there There would hopefully be a way that you would come to that understanding in yourselves otherwise. But even just to have the language to know that that's what you're up to and to observe yourself and think Ruby doesn't. This is going to be so hard, but Ruby doesn't need me to fix her. This is hard for Ruby to let me in. Like, even just to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- even if it went completely sideways, right? Even how you could unpack it later. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like a we're always going to make the right decisions because we can observe ourselves. Um, sometimes we just, no, thank you, right? Mm-hmm. But gosh, what a. What a gift. It's, yeah, it's, it's really huge. It's really cool to hear y'all talk about it. So building a case can is often with sevens about needing to be right. Um and needing to be kind of they're they're needing to be a victor or a victim in the story. Mm-hmm. Sevens can be really uh 
like dualistic in that way that it, there's right and wrong and I'm yeah. right and you're wrong and I'm the victor and you're the victim or however that plays out. But mainly there's this real driving force to be right. And all of that framework that I was talking about earlier, the kind of scaffolding of the mind Mm -hmm. that sevens do, sometimes it's because they're trying to not take responsibility for something that went down. But sometimes it's just that they want to be right. Um, And so those are two very different things. But what I've found um, just with like, I have a lot of a lot of sevens in my life and that I think it's easy to get mad at sevens for their insistence on being right. Mm-hmm. But I think underneath the insistence of being right is this real tender place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all the scaffolding that I was talking about earlier, like maybe the reason you see sevens building their scaffolding so assiduously all the time mm-hmm. is because they are so actively trying to avoid that little tender place that's easier to cover up with logistics and easier to cover up cover up with being correct or right Mm -hmm. um being right is a safe place to be for a seven and that means they don't have to unpack any of that tenderness um that goes with being wrong or being uh you know not even wrong but just not right maybe you know that there's another way or another point of view out there um so it's all just about observing these things and catching yourself mm-hmm. needing to be right, catching yourself building scaffolding to make your case. Um, it's also honestly um, about getting out of your head and having some value uh, around feelings. And I think a lot, I mean, honestly, I think that's kind of the hardest place is every time I hear aggressive numbers talk about it they're just so delighted that they're not mired in feelings and they it's almost like there's a hierarchy of reason over emotion and that uh reason reason it trumps emotion that emotion is somehow less than reason and um do you want to say something also part of that is just our culture and that's our culture that reason trumps Mm -hmm. feeling and so it feels extra great that we are in the aggressive stance and we don't have to deal with feeling and we're going to probably succeed or be better and do better in Look back this and wave at the rest of you. I mean, I... But yeah. also, right, right. And so, like, Alabel was reading this book, which I wanted to recommend to y'all. It's called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. And there's a whole section in there about... Um, and honestly, it's just something y'all are going to have to read. But one of one of the sentences, anyone who values truth should stop worshiping reason. Mm. Um, uh, they concluded that most of the bizarre and depressing research findings make perfect sense once you see reasoning as having evolved not to help us find truth, but to help us engage in arguments persuasion and manipulation in the context of discussions with other people and so this is you know that's heavy it's written by a psychologist psychologist and there's Mm -hmm. lots more there but it's really about like scientifically why this Mm -hmm. is not true you know why reason does not trump emotion and and also that that when emotion comes along and is balanced with your Mm -hmm. your head and your reason Mm -hmm. that you actually lead more people more successfully into the ideal world that you're that you're after and the trick is getting y'all to really believe that but when you do believe it Mm -hmm. you are more successful at taking us all along on your journey that is 
beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so episodic meaning. Um, sevens are really good at episodic meaning. That's a thing that Suzanne taught us, and it's just the kind of creating drama and situations out of everything to fill your life up. So you sevens t- tend to move from one episode to the other, thinking that um, that's everything mm-hmm. and that that's what life is, and they kind of don't realize that they've sort of created the drama and the episode out of nothing. Or maybe, you know, maybe a friend is sick and it's some, you know, it's something you need to pay attention to. But you have to kind of watch yourself turning something like a friend being sick or, you know, whatever. I don't know, a tree falling in the yard, right? And, and, and it not be this big episode that gets to, you get to suck all your energy into and then you get to run around for several days yeah. feeling all this really dramatic energy around that episode which tricks you into thinking that you're alive and you're here and all the things are, yeah. and that everyone is on the same page as you. And the reality is that's, that's I mean, not- and listen to that and think about our news cycle right yes i mean that we are in constant everything has to be dramatic we you know like we can't stick with the story i mean i just think about the last month and how we can't even huge things are happening but we we can't plumb the depths because we have to have lots of drama lots of episodic kind of stories that might be really important. They might be we, really important. But we have a hard time plumbing and kind of st- sticking with it, like mm-hmm. sticking with the things that we need to pay attention to. Right. You know? And so I think it's a way of kind of outrunning average, yeah. outrunning boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what it ends up doing is making people kind of not trust you and trust where you are with reality. Mm-hmm. And... And I think that's what maybe um, when sevens start to do the work is mm-hmm. when they re- – because sevens really want to be taken seriously. And the sevens I talk to feel hurt sometimes yeah. over the caricature of the Enneagram for them because they are they are serious people. They do have that tender place mm-hmm. way deep under there. <laughs> and um, uh, But I think – the responsibility is on yourself and no one can no one can make people trust you and no one can make you be taken seriously except yourself and that comes from all of this observation that we're talking yeah. about so you have to like catch yourself doing all these tricks that you call it and realizing that that's that's the reason that maybe people don't take you seriously and then you can you don't have to and then you don't have to get dramatic about that either you just go to work you mm-hmm. know on mm-hmm. being consistent and observing yeah. yourself and um over time that creates trust in people and that's the magic you, you want to say something yeah i mean all of this to me just brings to mind isn't the seven sin is gluttony right mm-hmm. and i mean i think that it's it's interesting to me because it's complicated in how reflexive it is like obviously hyperbole and hedonism is attractive and satisfying and entertaining to yourself but a seven also at least i need an audience to share that with and then you have these hedonistic fascinating but fleeting experiences Mm -hmm. and i 
believe my desire and motivation is to fundamentally be associated with that joy and ease. And I can't think of an alternative and I can't imagine being associated with any other feeling that is incredibly daunting to me, but it is that fear of pain and fear of loneliness that Mm -hmm. kind of condemns us to this you need to get yeah Yeah. and that's why we're not taken seriously is we're so devoted to this to ourselves, but it is our only love language for other people so then we're kind of caught in this cycle would we want it any other way i personally wouldn't (laughs) i mean well it's like i said i just i can't imagine what the alternative is so it's hard for me to say i would want to try something else with people because i know this works I think part of a seven, just kind of what you described, that your gift is to bring this joy. And I mean, just in the few minutes that you came in before we started the podcast, I I perked up, right? All our energy perked up, yep. And so I think sometimes, and I think this is with all aggressive numbers, but maybe in particularly for, for sevens, is you have to trust kind of what... We, we know to be true, and none of us really like it, is that joy and sadness live together. Mm-hmm. And that knowing pain doesn't make the joy go away, right? It just makes it more true. But, yes. I mean, that's the, those are part of your blinders. That you, you, somewhere in you, you've decided that the joy piece, the happiness, you know, however, hedonism, all of that, that gosh, boundaryed up Lee over here needs that, right? Like, I need to move into that energy. And so your part of your work is t- taking the blinder off to, enough to know that when you see pain and when you feel pain or average or however you define it, that, that that's reality. Yeah. That's reality. You're kind of blinders off to just to make it just joy so so feelings make make it true you know the truth of reality it's the whole of and and no one can do that for you and you can you know logically that's true and so that's i think why it's so tricky for us to say you gotta you gotta feel that you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta just try it on and and figure out what is what does it look like to let that be reality and to experience the fact that there's still there, there's still all of that beautiful piece that you described right mm-hmm. and maybe even more beautiful mm-hmm. right and then I'm done with with what I was going to say but I I do want to say that I've been reading when things fall apart by Pema Chodron and I think it is a the perfect handbook for the aggressive stance i think it is the perfect handbook for doing stance work for yeah. for the aggressive stance it's great it's heart advice for difficult times all right moving into eights so um eights you have to be on the lookout and observe for how you control your environment to constantly avoid vulnerability so that's the part of you that you're not aware of most of the time that's where your blinders are right to any vulnerability and so again because it's a water you swim in just like 
all of us. It's hard to know when it's happening. But um, can you talk a little bit about how you notice that in yourself? I mean, I think that I do it almost to the point where I need someone to define vulnerability <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> says facts. <laughs> <laughs> I think also, and I don't remember if it was in one of Suzanne's podcasts or y'all's, but I remember reading somewhere in Enneagram work or hearing that eights will almost share like all of the dirtiest stuff really quickly with people mm-hmm. as an attempt to show vulnerability. And that rung really true with me. Like I will, within like two hours of knowing me, you'll know every dirty secret of my parents' divorce, all the details of my adoption, like all of these very personal things But if I show them to you and you still want something to do with me, Mm -hmm. then it feels safer. So it's almost like this inauthentic vulnerability. And it's not just how you share it. It's about how you how they how those things impacted you or just that they happened. Just like this is a fact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about the feeling that went along with any of those things. Like just that these are like line item one, two and three of my like. Mm-hmm. My origin story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a test to see if we'll go away. I mean, I didn't realize that, uh-huh. but I'm coming to. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're afraid of being what, uh, abandoned. Abandoned. Yeah. Betrayed. <laughs> Betrayed. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. So yeah. you're just, that's a test. Go, go yeah. ahead and get it out of the way. Right? But like also, I think if I step away and really look at that with reason, why would anyone betray or walk away from me over those things that I've chosen to share? Because they don't actually have anything to do with me. They all happened to me before Mm -hmm. I was responsible. Right. Well, they kind of remind me of what I was saying earlier about threes trotting out feelings that don't actually feel hard Mm -hmm. for them to trot out. And sevens are, what did I say y'all are doing? That, that we, yeah, you take responsibility for things that didn't actually hurt someone and it doesn't. It's not easy for the seven to trot that out. So these are like tricks. a faux, faux vulnerability. It's like right? tricks, it's like a, ways yeah. that y'all trick us into think, or honestly, ways that you trick yourselves into thinking that you're being vulnerable. And to me, it's interesting that you've decided vulnerability is the deepest, darkest secrets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I and mean, it's that's like right. hardcore. <laughs> well, I'm like actually currently navigating a situation mm-hmm. with a newer coworker that has communicated not to me, of course, because of the things that they're feeling, that I'm a bully and I'm controlling. And oh. on the other side of that, I'm left feeling like you obviously don't see me. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had a conversation with my gal pal, Lisa, who's a six mm-hmm. and asked her, we like, we met, yeah, we met working together. And so I asked her, like, what allowed us to connect? Like mm-hmm. the first few months that we worked together, it wasn't smooth sailing. We weren't hanging out. We weren't interested in being friends with each other. And then something shifted. And now she's my person. She's, mm-hmm. you know, who I turn to and. She said, well, you were vulnerable with me. 
And I had to have her define that for me. And I actually shared a moment of my own pain that was real. I shared a story with her that was specific to not trusting people and why. And it allowed her to see my humanity, I guess, is what she said. Yes. That's I like how this is like, uh, these are like abstract terms. <laughs> no, like, it, just didn't, it didn't occur to me in that moment. Like, I felt more like I was sharing those things for her because I could see that she was feeling left out. Yeah. So I shared a story with her of a time when I'd been left out too. And I reframed this situation to not be about my own vulnerability I think it was about helping her yeah come along yeah yeah and feel like included in the group yes well and the next kind of piece of this is is so in relationships you just like in every every other aspect of your life as an eight you're in control so you are also this might be a little harsh to say it this way, but emotionally dominant in most relationships, whether or not you're emotional or not, that people get their cues from you about what what's okay kind of to share and how to move forward and how to relate to you. Or I'm not going to say my feelings are hurt or what's going on just because they've decided, which is so painful to eights that you're a bully or you don't care or what have you. And so that's partly... You, you might even say we merge with you. So not just nines, but just in general, because you have so much energy, you're moving ahead, that we just come along, right? And that works generally for, for you all. And so part of the observation is starting to observe that having um, – how, how you're doing that, how you're having your blinders on, not paying attention necessarily to the ways that we're moving and merging with you is not the whole picture of reality, right? It's that piece of Lisa saying, you know, I'm not connected and I'm going to share why I feel left out or not connected. And then you don't think, well, that's fun. Move forward, right? Like, that's, I'm glad she was able to get that out, but that you reciprocate, right? And somehow in eights, kind of how eights move through the world, they've decided that that sets them up for betrayal, right? That sharing a part about yourself, sharing a, a sense tender piece. But what really happens is what you described at the beginning is that moving ahead and not sharing, not taking time to share is what sets you up for betrayal, right? That it's that piece of not taking time to feel your own feelings or the, the folks around you. So that that's a tricky thing to observe. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me make sure. I mean, I feel like with eights, um, uh, most people probably are less likely to come to you and say this happened and this hurt my feelings and whatever. But my personal experience with eights is that, I mean, I do that cause I'm a four uh-huh. and I'm not afraid to do it. So I'm going to go to an eight and say, you know, when you did this, it hurt my feelings. Every single time I have done that, it has been so uh-huh. successful. Uh-huh. Well, and that's the thing that I find really frustrating is 
I think in people not coming to me directly about issues is a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, so I think, um, like what I was saying earlier about threes and sevens doing transformative work and then watching people not like it at first and then they're like, ah, never mind. So I think, again, like even though I want to take the responsibility off of you for some reason, the responsibility is on you to take yeah. your blinders off and watch where people are and try to observe their response to you or res- observe how your response can be slowed down for them, which probably sounds gross but but that that responsibility is on you because mm-hmm. then people will feel the permission i mean as a four i feel permission to at, to do it whether you do the work or not because that's just a number thing mm-hmm. i think you know and that gets me in trouble with other numbers but with eights it works well but most numbers are not going to do yeah. they're not going to come up to you and go you know melody when you did that back there it really felt intense and like you weren't thinking about me at all and it really hurt my feelings but so that's your responsibility to 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 get that to happen well it's so this is actually something in my enneagram work that Mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. keeps coming up is that in this resource and others a lot of people identify that if you're feeling this specific way with an eight it's because you're not standing up for yourself Mm -hmm. which as an eight i hear well it's not my job yes right (laughs) right and so i think and i think we talk a lot lee and i both talk a lot about how eights come at us hard and they want us to come hard back at them and we're always telling everybody because you you know that's what eights want they want it so just when they give it to you give it right back because that's what they want and if you don't do it they don't see you i mean that would be like me saying everybody let's just be calm the whole world yeah exactly And if you're not calm i'm not gonna see you yeah that's so (laughs) good lee that's so good duh because like, honestly, I think for some reason our tendency is to kind of let y'all off the yeah. hook. And uh, yeah, it's good to know that y'all uh-huh. like for us to come back at you. But really, it's your job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, Lisa and I had this conversation and she was letting me off the hook. She was saying, well, you're you're right. Like where you're standing, the things that you're trying, it's right. It's all good stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, this person or th- that person that's felt that way with you or, you know, that experience that they're having, it's on them. And they're just not doing their work. And I immediately, like, that to me, I don't know if it's like the, I don't have control in that story. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seems like that leaves me out of having any input in the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I feel ultimately that if I choose to just make it about someone else doing the work, then I'm, yeah, you just keep get to keep plowing ahead. You're going to, people are going to keep saying, gosh, you're a bully. Well, yeah. And just be like, I'm going to work with, I'm going to make friends with people that aren't doing work. And I want to be able to be present and be there and and have alignment with others. And in order to do that, I need to observe how they're feeling in response to me. And if they're not willing to talk to me about it, I have to stop in the moment and say, like, I see here that we got out of alignment. What happened? I need you to explain it yeah, to me. Yeah. And 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 that's, that's the, that is. That's good. I mean, I'm like, ah, I wish that, <laughs> this was a television show. I, was like, I can talking. I think that is. Perfect. 
that's it. So that's the part. And, and I think part of the reason that we, we say, well, you're doing the right thing or you're, you know, so it's ours, ours to catch up with you. Well, is because I'm right. Because you're generally right, right? I mean, that's yes. true. And that you, you're thinking and doing and moving ahead. And um, I've watched this happen where an aide has stopped mid, mid, like, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. And someone stops and says, but I need to, I need to process how I'm feeling. And literally, like, no, 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 we don't need to process right now. We need to get this done, right? So you don't always verbalize that, but that's how you move through the world. And so I think realizing, and for the rest of us to know that, gosh, the full part of reality is not just thinking, doing, thinking, doing, right? That the full truth is all of the people that are around you as well, right? And that are trying to keep up and going with you. And so I think... That's just... Well, I want people on my train, and if I don't slow down, they can't get on. Yes. It doesn't make sense otherwise. And they're going to have a little baggage. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. So when I... How does it feel to you when we say you've got to slow down? Um, Knee-jerk response, that's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Like, out of awareness, not thinking... I would probably just move around you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 How about when I say you don't have to win? You're wrong. Or be right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why bother? Why bother? Yeah. And I think that's probably true for you guys too, is, you know, to slow down or to, um, I just think an eight's energy is just like, it's, in some ways, and I, I think just we've kind of tapped into that, that it's just, it's kind of hard to tell y'all to slow down because you're doing good stuff generally. <laughs> you know, it's just hard to kind of hold your feet to the fire in the ways that. They're not always doing good stuff. Not always doing good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, it's true. Not totally, but I mean, I think it's just, it's easier to merge with you for, for a lot of us to merge, not just mm-hmm. me as a nine, but yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I think there's a tendency to. F- to go where the energy goes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I have here, watch when you're testing others by confronting them or being conflictual. Are you an eight that does that very often? Just to kind of get at their true motives. You kind of, I think you kind of talked about that a little bit when you kind of like, I share the worst parts of my story early on just to kind of read them. Do you do, you do that in other ways to kind of get at who they are or their true motives and relationship with you I don't know if initially I do but I think like once you've um shown one form of betrayal Mm -hmm. I definitely have witnessed myself after the fact testing again to see where that allegiance lies Mm -hmm. and just real quick when you say one form of betrayal it can be slight slight yeah yeah it's it's interesting because it's such a big word. Yeah. And it feels that way to you all, I think. Yeah. So it's, but it's, it can be someone coming by later and saying, gosh, that hurt my feelings after the fact. And why didn't you or tell me? The, the betrayal could be, <laughs> something like why that, didn't you, right? why didn't you tell me in the moment? It's not so much that I think that I personally find as a betrayal. It's like 
that you would go to Elizabeth okay. and and then Elizabeth would be the one that has the burden of telling me and that you would have never like respected me enough to talk to me directly mm-hmm. or like trusted me enough to talk to me directly. Mm-hmm. We obviously don't have alignment. Yeah. That's an interesting word that you're using. No, I, like, I like that word. Yeah. It's a therapy word, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's also kind of a, a non-relational way, a non-emotional, non-relational way of talking about things working. Right. It's very, um, like, it makes me think of, like, building right. a bookshelf and making or like, the... Or, like, going you know, to a chiropractor yes, and getting like your bones aligned. Aligned, right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I like it. I'm not dissing it. I just I, think it's interesting. I didn't realize it was non-emotional. <laughs> So, um, another, another thing to watch in eights, which I think I'm just saying the same thing in different ways is total certitude, um, which, you know, we've just kind of jokingly, when I said, how does this make you feel? And you're like, no, it's not right, wrong. You know, that there's this kind of black and white kind of way. I'm right. I'm wrong. I'm the winner. I'm the loser. There is, there is a white way to do it and it's my way, you know, kind of thing. So, so part of what you can you can know as an eight when you're so in that zone is that there is a high likelihood when you have that total certitude that you have dismissed others who don't have the same certitude, right? That when you, if you can catch yourself, and I know that you feel that way a lot, right? So, um, but if you can start to think, you know, like when you feel that kind of, if you can kind of laugh at yourself a little bit and take off your blinders and see, oh, does everyone else feel that same? And and to allow yourself to feel, like, what if there are other ways of doing it? What if there are mess, a little bit of messier ways, but that are kind of the fuller um, picture mm-hmm. of reality and in, in doing it? You know, that, that it's feeling your own feelings by kind of making yourself slow down, but then also the feelings of others. So I think they kind of dance with one another in that way. That makes sense. And I think it feels super similar to sevens too. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe all you guys are um, doing that, but just you have like, so you're not slowing down and you're being uh, kind of involved with certitude and duality. Like, what are you avoiding? Like if a seven's avoiding pain and avoiding vulnerability, I mean, like what mm-hmm. do you what do you think is driving that? What are you after? Like what is the motivator? Yeah. Being good enough, maybe? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like I I think if I'm leading something, I do a lot of research before I present a path. Mm-hmm. And so there's, but I don't think that that speaks to what you're saying. I think you're asking something deeper and that. Well, no, I'm just, I just think that, I think that a lot of times when we talk about these, these numbers, I feel like all of, all of these kind of aggressive quote, aggressive things feel, start feeling very similar. And yeah. I like to, I like to differentiate why y'all are doing it, you know? Like if, I mean, a seven really needs to be right, right? A seven really needs to be in control. Mm-hmm. Well, an eight kind of really needs to be right and really needs to be in control. And so 
but it's for a different reason. It's not, you know. I mean, I think a lot of what motivates me, this kind of came up during numbers night. I don't remember what it was that Lee said, but my internal response is like, well, why would you have feelings about that? Why would I need to stop and think about feelings? Mm -hmm. Think about feelings. And, and, (laughs) 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 um, but then I realized that I often move into these spaces and pick things up that aren't mine Uh to show my value and my worth. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not taking care of it all, what, like what purpose is there Mm -hmm. or value is there to be there Mm -hmm. or be in that space? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm realizing at work, I don't really create a lot of opportunities or spaces for people to do things with or for me. Mm -hmm. And while I think that's because I need to do that for them. Yeah. I'm having to recognize that that leaves them feeling really left out and without Mm -hmm. value. And you you need to do it for them because you're going to do it best or you're going to do it quicker or you're going to do it. It's just my responsibility. Like I. If not, I'm not doing my job. Mm. Mm. It's almost like instinctually you can't see a void. You can't see a hole and not. It's like I think kind of trying to think through that world. You are you are feeling the world through instinctually so my feeling through is not body, the right way but gut. you're taking in the world through your body and so it's kind of this instinctual move into those places where you think there's a gap right that you that is just like the way you make your way through the world and so that's one of the things that I was going to say that's part of the thing you have to observe which is so great how you articulated it so you have to observe when you just knee jerk move into a space just because there's a space or just because it needs to be done. And this way it feels kind of like a, a two or a, a thinking repressed kind of mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. you know, that you just kind of do it because it needs to be done. You try to meet the need because there's a need, right? You know, you just are moving, moving, moving. And y- you have to kind of stop and all of those things. Is this mine to do? What does it mean relationally? Um, can, is there someone else that can do it? Is there a way that I can make someone else feel like they belong? Or And, you know, just being around you just a little bit. And the, all the eights I know is that they want to build, they want people to, to feel strong and to move into those places because they don't, I mean, y'all get the most tender when someone calls you a bully or you feel that way, right? That that's just, ugh. So it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. so that piece, that's a great place to watch is when you just kind of ooze into those mm-hmm. places where there's not no one, no energy that you, you just do it. Um, that's a place to take off your blinders and just stop for a minute and just see that the world's not going to fall apart if you. Well, and also people won't think that I'm not doing my part. Right. Right. And that's not true, right? That's another place that's not true. Just like we've, Mm. that's not the full picture. And I also feel like if you leave that space for someone else to do something at first, maybe because you've been doing the thing for so long and filling that space at first, maybe they'll be confused and also maybe they'll be slow about it. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, oh, like I really do need to fill this space because like clearly no one else is going to. Yeah. 
and so then you're just like you know I gotta keep it yeah so I think I relate to that in some ways Mm -hmm. that I think it's really hard to wait and see if someone else can do it because they are gonna be a little bit I think shocked at first that that space is there for them um because they're because I mean we've been aggressive numbers our whole life and we've been filling the same spaces and so Mm -hmm. when we stop it's like a little bit shocking to the people around us and then we're like mad about it yeah Yeah. and then you read it in the way that you want to read it in the way that reaffirms your yeah so you articulated that so well mm because I said the the things that you threes and sevens do to that effect like once you start transformative work People get confused. People mm-hmm. you love get confused. And because y'all are in the aggressive stance, then you just jump right back on the wheel. Right. And so it's really hard to step into changing and observing and then wait for everyone to stop freaking out or pick up speed, you know, and just stay the course of observation and not, in your case, filling the void. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's yeah. Good. And then I think part of what an eight, another thing to practice in that is when you don't just march in and fill the void or take care of it or make it happen, is then you have to partner more with others, right? And so in that kind of partnering, you have to learn to depend on one another. And that's where you start having the conversations that are actual kind of vulnerability right that's where you where your quote-unquote flaws might come up or where the parts of you um, that aren't so sure all the time um, come out in relationship not just when you're charging ahead so I think that kind of learning to depend on or kind of linking arms with someone kind of almost forces you in a way if, if you make the decision to do it because otherwise if you might get uncomfortable and be like, mm, not doing it and charging ahead, but if you commit to that, to to doing it with others, that that's, I think, a lot of learning for AIDS because we're slow, the rest of us. Well, in that, as you're saying that, what I think is that it also comes with trust that people will still think you belong if you know the same things and I don't know more than you. Yes. Like, I have an expectation that I should know every element. Hmm. And if I don't, you're going to think I don't belong or deserve my role. Ugh. That's brilliant. That's, That's really intense. good to know. That's, Gosh, that is that intense. That doesn't feel good. No. That's that feels a lot to carry. Wildly vulnerable to tell people, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually you figure it out on the way. Yeah, or gut wise, I just instinctively have mm-hmm. a response automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Melody. That's really helpful. It is helpful. That's really helpful. It feels really icky. <laughs> yeah, and that's so. I know we've we've been talking a long time. And is there anything else that you observe in yourself where you think, gosh, like here? here's a place where I need to slow down. It sounds like you have great people in your life that give you feedback about it, which is nice. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot yeah. of it. <laughs> well, and so when you said, of you do. said that feels icky, like the last thing I wrote down was slow down for everyone, slow down, slow down, slow down, right? So all of you just, if, and I know that for us, like for me, we're that like, would sure, be like, yeah. yeah, I can, I love slow. Um, but, and another way to think of it is allow. You know, that's kind of a tricky word, but I think it's a real good spiritual word or mm-hmm. um, kind of deep wisdom is that, you know, we don't, we don't conquer our inner world, right? We don't do it. We have to kind of observe and allow things to, to hit us. What, is, what does Suzanne say that transformation happens not when you add something, but when you let something fall, fall away. away that you didn't have a choice yeah. over? yeah. Um, and so I think that's, so that's kind of a way of talking about allowing, Yeah, you know? Yeah. If you just, and that's hard. I think that's hard. That's a hard concept in general, mm-hmm. even for me. Like I want, when something in me feels uncomfortable, I want the answer. I want to fix it to make mm-hmm. myself feel better. And usually I do that in my number by numbing out or mm-hmm. making, you know, just choosing not to pay attention to it. So I think it's hard for everyone, but I think it's really hard for you all to just trust, trust that by slowing down and al- allowing your feelings to feel achy and not so good, that that's where your wholeness is. And I... I that's it makes your gifts that you're to, so attached to have more vitality, more depth, yeah. and more place to land in the world. You know? Yeah. You have to believe that, though. Mm-hmm. You have to get tired enough of your tricks mm-hmm. and, and tired enough of yourself right. to believe that allowing and feeling will actually uh, really like enliven all the things that you right. do, you already value so much. And when I say that, I like to say that stance work is like the magic of the Enneagram. And it feels very magical to me. Like the do it, the just do it. And it's like this energy. Like, it might not feel so magical to y'all. <laughs> right? I just think that your knowing of that and you're bringing that part on board is going to feel very different than me as a nine kind of adding energy to my life, right? But it's just the same. It's going to bring you the same I actually think it does add energy, magic, though. I, guess, I think I guess. it actually, I think y'all have tricked yourself kind of into thinking that it's an energy suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, because, like what I said, that it has more place to land in the world, that means more people are trusting you, more people You're are more seeing connected. you for who you are, more people are coming along with your ideas, yeah. more people can get on your team. Yeah. More, you know, all of that opens all the pathways of energy and vitality. Even you know, when it does feel really. It feels like, like you. Like, to, probably it's like hard to believe initially. that you have to slow down and allow to, to speed up. <laughs> but you, I mean, it sounds but really strange. Yeah, yeah, but it's true. But it's true. But also, it's, I feel like we're addressing that it allows us to feel more what are typically seen as negative feelings. I think it also allows us to feel more positive feelings yes. as well. Like, sure. the things that you're describing are really great to feel like 
people are with you and on your side mm-hmm. and love you and i mean just simple joy to like take the time to slow down to like take in the experience you're having that's positive sometimes mm-hmm. can not even happen i think mm, in the yes. seven podcast she was talking about buying a mattress and like leaving it around for a long time yeah to find joy it's like <laughs> i resonate with that yeah, like yeah. i get yeah. it like i'm mm-hmm. so forward moving right. mm-hmm. that the present right. isn't even happening right yes yeah. All right. Well, okay. gosh. Thank y'all so much for coming I wanna today. I want to hug really all of you, even though you don't know, want me to. I hate that we can't and hug I, you. And I can't hug you, but that was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.